This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Thank you for joining us for yet another week in the presence of Jehovah. It's been a blessed time and I pray that for every one of you, you have received something from the Lord this week that you can be grateful for. As we begin, I want us to begin with uh, just welcoming the Holy Spirit here. And I also want you to know that it is a new month. And with a new month, I would also want us to share in the table of our Lord. Uh, We shall be doing the communion in just a few minutes. So I'll also give you a minute uh, after after we pray for you just to rush to the kitchen or wherever you're at where you can just get something, some elements by which we can share the Lord's table together. But let us pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you. You indeed are an awesome God. You are a good God to us, Lord. And Father, thank you for yet another opportunity to come before your presence. Father, speak your word today and start with me. Father, speak a word to me, to my life, to transform my life and to transform me. Father, even for my hearers, I pray, Lord, that you may do a new work in their lives, Lord. May somebody hear a word today that will transform them, that will change their lives and that will be able to shift their destinies forever. We thank you and we bless you even for the month of July. And we know, Lord, that there's something new in store that you have for each and every one of us. We thank you and we bless you. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Thank you that you do not go where you are needed. You go where you're invited. And so, Lord, now we invite you to come. Be a part of of everything that we will do right now. Infiltrate our living rooms, infiltrate our vehicles, wherever we are at, wherever we are hearing from. And Father, thank you that transformation begins now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just take a minute, grab something for the elements, and then we shall uh, begin. Uh, But for now, I'll say, uh, as you run to do that, let us say our statement of belief, which we believe every word that is penned down because we, need, we believe that it's a promise that comes from Jehovah God. So as it comes on your screen, be as audible and as crazy for Jehovah as never before. Let us say this together. I am a winner and not a loser. I am a victor and not a victim. I have changed my mind and my attitude to reflect what God says about me. My faith is built on God's word. I can do all that God says I can do. Nothing is impossible from this moment on. For I am a new breed, a new kind, a remnant, and I am after my purpose. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Amen and amen. 
I believe you have your elements now. Just have some bread in front of you and have some juice or something that you can take. Uh, the scripture says that on the night Christ was betrayed, he took the cup and he took the bread. He took the bread, he broke it and shared it amongst his friends and said, this is my body which has been bruised for you or which will be bruised for you. And he's commanded us to take this in remembrance of him. As we take the communion today, I want you to understand one thing. The communion is actually a covenant that we have with Christ, our Savior. Let us take it with the revelation of knowing that the covenant that we have with him, the promises that he has spoken over his children, they are yes and amen. That every word that has been spoken of your life must come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus. If there's words you know that you and Jehovah have communed, I want you to know one thing. Nothing around you will take you out until those words come to pass. The God that we serve is a God who stands by his word and his word alone. I want you to take this with that revelation that as we do this today, we are doing it knowing that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let us take the bread together. Amen. Amen. Likewise, he took the cup and then he blessed it and shared it amongst his friends. As we take this cup, he said, this is my blood which has been shed for you. For all remission of sin. For all sin. This is the blood of the Lamb of Christ that takes away all sin in life. I don't know today if there is any sin amongst you. This blood has taken that sin away. You know, we serve a living God and we serve a God who loves us mightily. As we take this uh, cup today, as we do it together, I want you to have that revelation that when we do this, Christ was crucified, put on that tree, on that cross for you and I, that we may have life and have it abundantly. Let's take it together. Father, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body that was bruised for us. Father, you came and you took away the sin of the world. What a mighty God we serve. That he would send his only son, his only begotten son. That he should die on the cross for you and I. You indeed are a mighty God. Father, as you have brought us back together with God. Father, may we not go astray. May we recognize and see the sacrifice that the lamb that was slain on the cross, what it represents in our lives. I pray, Father, that we may always flee from anything that is sinful, that does not bring any glory or honor to your name. And Father, thank you that today you have reminded us, as you have told us to do, to take this in remembrance of you. Father, we cannot forget what it is that you did for us, Lord. Thank you for life today. And as your word has said, you've given us everything for life and for godliness. We just want to say thank you to Abba Father in Jesus' name. You are indeed a mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Again, I want to take this opportunity just to welcome you into this place. Jehovah is in this place. And I believe somebody is going to receive a Rema word now, starting right now. You know, I was reading a little about um, about a topic that's quite interesting, and I must say, in the African content uh, continent, 
and in the African content. Uh, this is a topic that has been discussed over and over in many living rooms across the globe. Let us dive in and let's hear what the Lord has for us today. There is something called the CPI, the CPI, and the CPI is the Corruption Perception Index. The CPI scores and ranks countries and or territories based on how corrupt a country's public sector is perceived to be by experts and also by business executives. It's a composite index, a combination of 13 surveys and assessments of corruption collected by a variety of reputable institutions within those borders. The CPI is the most widely used indicator of corruption worldwide. Worldwide. I got this data from Transparency International, a global body, and that's what it does. So last year's analysis, 2019, showed that corruption is more widespread in countries where big money can flow freely into electoral campaigns and where governments listen only to the voice of the wealthy or well-connected individuals. Does that sound familiar? Does that ring a bell? Maybe a country near you. Let's go on. The CPI uses a scale from 0 to 100. And for this purpose, I will just call it percentage. Percentage. So usually the score is, a country is given a score over 100. So whatever you score, over 100. Meaning this, that 100% or 100 marks is very clean or very good, meaning no corruption, while zero is extremely poor or extremely corrupt, right? So let's move. The world's average, can you believe this? The world's average, meaning all countries of the world put together, their average score was 43%, 43%. More than two thirds of the countries in the world scored less than 50%. More than two thirds of all the nations of the world scored less than 50%. This means that out of 195 countries of the world, 130 scored below 50%. All right. I know you're interested in knowing what's the highest score, what country had the highest score. I'm, I'm getting there. Denmark is the highest and it scored 87%. The highest country in the world. The least, or let me put it this way, the least corrupt nation in the world was considered to be Denmark, followed by New Zealand. And by the way, both of them scored 87%. So Denmark and New Zealand. They're closely followed by Finland at 86%. Then we have Singapore, Sweden, and Switzerland all scoring at 85%. So which countries have scored the least? You might be surprised. Syria was the third least corrupt, or let me put it properly, the third most corrupt country in the world is Syria, coming in at 13%, 1-3%, followed closely by Southern Sudan at 12%, and finally the most corrupt nation in the world that held that trophy last year was Somali at 9%, our very close neighbors. I know some of you are wondering, where does our country lie? going to do some research and you're going to find out. 
Sub-Saharan Africa's average score, now Sub-Saharan Africa is really all the nations in Africa minus the top seven, which is really just on the northern hemisphere, the northern uh, part of Africa. Seven nations at the top. So anything below that is Sub-Saharan Africa, which only omits seven countries in the northern part, comes in at 32%. The whole of Africa, all the countries in Africa minus seven, comes in at 32%. And by the way, this average has been greatly helped by two nations, two nations in Africa, or let me say two of the least corrupt nations in Africa. Which two are those? Botswana, that comes in at 61%, and Namibia, which comes in at 52%. To note, the seven North African nations at the top those seven, and I'll tell you which ones they are, Algeria, Egypt, uh, Libya, Morocco, Sudan is also part of that, uh, Tunisia, and uh, Western Sahara account for up to a third of Africa's GDP. Isn't that strange? Seven countries only at the top. They account for a third of Africa's GDP. That is strange. Needless to say, the developing countries or developing countries world over, they take up the lion's share when it comes to entrenched systematic corruption. Think about that. The most or the least developed nations in the world are the most corrupt nations in the world. Funny, isn't it? Hmm. Here at home in Kenya, the very, very first reported major corruption incident after independence and remember we got our independence in 1963 the very first major corruption incident was reported in 1965 showing we didn't even waste any time and you know what that corruption was <laughs> you'd never guess this it was a maze scandal a maze scandal in 1965 a government minister and his wife colluded you know what? Go do some research. But that's what it is. A maze scandal in 1965. We didn't waste time. We got right onto it as soon as we received our independence. And obviously, in 2020, we're yet to see the last of these scandals and the last of these corruption cases. Corruption is a vice world over. And it has not escaped our country. It's not escaped any country in the world. If we are saying the least most corrupt country in the nation, in the world, Denmark, is at 87%, you've got to ask yourself, what is that 13% that it was unable to attain? Every nation on the globe has corrupt individuals. And you know why? It's because we as men were all born of the sinful nature, of the sinful nature. Listen to this. The African report stated in January 2020, this year, January, this is what it stated, that small businesses account for more than 80% of all businesses in Kenya. Did you hear that? That small businesses accounted for more than 80% of all businesses in Kenya. But listen, but they only account or contribute to 30% of the GDP. What a mismatch. What a mismatch. In Kenya, <clears throat> it also goes on to state, this report also goes on to state, that even 
that very low contribution masks the grim reality that they, those 80% of businesses, provide the highest proportion of employment in our country. Quite sad for a developing nation. Quite sad. Hmm. The Global Financial Integrity Report estimates that from 2005 to 2014, catch this, Africa lost between 36 to 69 billion dollars in illicit financial flows. This number represents about 74% of all financing required, approximately 93 billion dollars a year to develop infrastructure to service Africa's growth needs. And you ask yourself, where does all this money go? It goes to the pockets of those who've been entrusted in office. Only God can help us out of this. It is only God. Only God. Today I want us to discuss another character of Jesus, another character of God, Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu. Sidke is Hebrew from which Sidkenu is derived, which means to be stiff, to be straight, or righteous. When the two words are combined, Jehovah Sidkenu, it can be translated as the Lord who is our righteousness. The Lord who is our righteousness. Jehovah, our righteousness, which denotes a God who reveals himself as an upright, untwisted God. An upright, untwisted God. I want us to read from Jeremiah 23 and as been our tradition, I want us to be as audible. Let us read together, follow as we read this scripture and then let's move forward in the mighty name of Jesus. Jeremiah chapter 23 says this from verse 1. Woe to the shepherds. Who are the shepherds? Those are people who've been entrusted. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. The Lord is declaring, Woe to the shepherd who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. Verse 2. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend to my people. The shepherds who tend to my people. Woe unto the shepherds. Listen. Ah. Because you've scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil that you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. Verse 4, I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The Lord is saying this, that he's going to replace the shepherds. He's going to bring people who will be able to tend to his flock. That says the Lord. He says, even in the far countries, even in the places, he's saying, I will bring people who will be fruitful before my sheep. Verse 5 says, the days are coming, declares the Lord. I didn't write this. He says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, 
when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Praise the name of the living God. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. In his days, Nairobi will be safe and Kenya will live in safety. Put the name of your country, the nation you're from, and put it in that scripture and says, in his day, that nation, that city will be saved and that country will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Savior, the Lord, our righteous Savior. The Lord, our righteous Savior. Amen. Verse 7. So then the, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord liveth, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north, and out of all the countries where he had been banished, where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. Amen. Amen. Sidek is used several times to mean right, righteous, righteousness, just, and justify, or to declare innocent, innocent. You know, a simple definition of righteousness is doing that which is right. That's what righteousness is. Doing that which is right. This name speaks of the fact that God will always do that. That which is right. Which is right because he is righteous. Amen. I want you to know this, that it's only God who is righteous. Man cannot even compare. We cannot even come anywhere close. Only God is righteous. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 4 says, He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. He is a rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Upright and just is he. Jeremiah chapter 12 verses 1 says this, You are always righteous, Lord. When I bring a case before you, yet... I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Psalms chapter 19 verses 142 says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. I just want to share with somebody right now and just tell you this. Don't look around you and see the evil that is going on and see the people who are evil in the sight of the Lord prospering and you start to admire them. People who've been involved in corrupt activities, many times they like being flashy, they like being in your face. But the Lord is telling you this, their day is coming. Do not look at them and admire them. Don't look at them and think, my goodness, I wish I had an opportunity, it's funny. I saw a meme last week, and I don't know how true this is, but in the Ugandan election, just next door, a guy put out a poster, and he says, Why lie? It is now my time to eat. He's, he's being that open. It is now, give me a chance. It is now my time to eat. 
Have we actually degenerated to this place? Have we gotten to a place where we feel that when we get an appointment or a place or a position in high office, that it means that it is your turn to find out how schemeful you can be, how you can scheme around you to get as much from the public offers as you can. No, that's not what the scripture says. He says, do not look at those people who look like they're doing well or flourishing and think that their own is not coming their way. Remember this, God has called us all to emulate him. He says we should be like Christ. How is that possible? We can't be righteous. No one is righteous apart from God. Listen, Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says this, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. Listen to the next one. And he has arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. He has arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Listen. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Exodus chapter 31 verse 13 says this. Say to the Israelites, say to the Ethiopians, say to the Ugandans, say to the Israelis, say to the Kenyans, say what? You must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. It is only God who makes us holy. It's only God who can be righteous. It's only God who can make us righteous because he has said in his word that he has clothed us with his righteousness. Not man's righteousness, God's righteousness. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says, For it is written, Be holy as I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Be holy. You know, there is no instruction that God can give us that is impossible for us to do because he has enabled us. When he says be holy, it means that there is a chance that you can be holy, that there's an opportunity for you to be holy. Let's go on. I want to dispel a myth here, a myth, a phrase that was said years ago by one of the world's largest, and I'll say this, one of the world's most prosperous criminals. His name was Pablo Escobar. Listen to this. This is what he said. He was the wealthiest criminal who ever lived. He amassed over $30 billion between 1980 and the 90s. Between 1980 and the 90s. This is what he said. He said, everyone has a price. <laughs> everyone has a price. The important thing is to find out what it is. Is that true? Huh. Is this true? That everyone has a price, which simply means that everyone can be pressured to do whatever it is you want them to do. Is that true? Is it really true? Take a minute and figure out then what is your price? What is that price? What is that place that if you were placed there and a bag of cash was put in front of you or you were just to add zeros to the number one, where will you stop? What is your price? What is your price? Be truthful to yourself. What is that number? What is that number? Hmm. 
Isaiah chapter 5 verse 16 says, But the Lord Almighty will be exalted by his justice, and the Holy God will be proved holy by his righteous acts. By his righteous acts. You know, there is a way for man to pursue holiness and righteousness. There is a way. There is a way. I want us to discuss a couple of ways by which we can pursue this holiness and righteousness. And I want to rush, I want us to rush through this within the next few minutes. Number one, number one, write this down. Honoring God, honoring God makes you pursue holiness and righteousness. You may ask, how? How? If we want to be holy, we must honor and fear and revere God. If we want to be holy, we must honor, fear, which means respect and revere God. Without reverence of the Father, we can't be able to live holy. If you cannot fear God, we can never be able to live holy. Number two, love all men. Love all men. We've been commanded to love one another. In fact, the scripture says it's the greatest command. To love one another, to be able to love your neighbor as you love yourself. How hard is that? You know, when the scripture puts this down, it means that there is a place where you and I may find loving very hard, very difficult, where we want to share something. But you know, the scripture says, Oh, no man, nothing but love. Oh, no man, nothing but love. Listen to this. If you are truly a believer, the love that flows from you should be pure without hypocrisy, should have a healing balm that soothes the tired, angry, and the depleted soul. Do you love like that? Or are we hypocrites when it comes to loving? Do we tell people that we love them, yet we act in another, a completely contrary way to what we say, to what we profess? Remember, the best way of loving someone is not by telling them, it's by showing them. What is it that you do that tells your neighbor, your friend, your colleague that you love them? It's an attitude of the heart. Remember, the scripture also says that God is love. If you have God in your life, there is absolutely no way you would not be able to go around loving people because God is love himself, himself. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 13 says this, so are those so as those who have been chosen of God holy and beloved put on a heart of compassion put on a heart of kindness put on a heart of humility put on a heart of gentleness and a heart of patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the Lord forgave you so also should you This is the way to love your neighbor. This is the way to love your neighbor. How humble are you in front of your neighbor? How kind are you in front of your neighbor? Thank you, Lord Jesus. How gentle, how patient are you with one another? How often do you forgive one another? That's a big one. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a way of showing love. Number three, honor and respect your parents. This is a big one. People don't think that there's a lot attached to your destiny when it comes to your parents. Yet there's 
so much that the scripture has said about you honoring your father and your mother. Honor to your parents. I've said this before. Look at someone who doesn't honor or someone who dishonors their parents and look at their life. What actually is working out in their lives? Anytime you dishonor your parents, the people who brought you into this earth, life will dishonor you. I guarantee you that. The scripture says in Luke chapter 2 verses 48 to 52, this is the time when Christ had gone with his parents uh, and, and Christ was left teaching in the synagogue. And his parents go and they, you know, the scripture says they had walked a journey over an entire day before they discovered that their son was not hanging out with the aunties and the uncles who were behind them. And when they discover that, they have to come all the way back looking for their son. It was actually on the third day that they found him teaching in the synagogue, sitting and hearing what the teachers of the law were saying. And this is what happened in verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Imagine that. A 12-year-old boy, for three days, you have no idea where the young man is. They must have been frantic. They must have been upset. I have a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old in the house. I also have an 11-year-old daughter. I can't imagine for three days not knowing where these people were. And these masses and droves of people were walking from one town to the other. And I cannot find them. And I'm wondering what in the world is happening. So this is what, this is what Jesus' parents were going through at this place. They had been searching anxiously for him. Verse 49, it says, Jesus turned and said, Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I had to be before the father? in church, in the synagogue. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. You imagine a 12-year-old telling you, didn't you know that I needed to be about my father's business? But listen, listen. Verse 51 says, Then they went down to Nazareth with them, or he went down to Nazareth with them, Jesus did, and was obedient to them. Why would the scripture put this down in writing that he went to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them why would it put that it's because it is it is showing us that Christ too was obedient to his earthly parents to his earthly parents listen listen but his mother treasured all these things in her heart what things his mannerisms the things that he did, the things that he said, she treasured them. I want you just to pause for a minute there and ask yourself, do your parents treasure the way you've operated around them? Do they treasure the fact that you are their son, the fact that you are their daughter? Do they sit back and just say, Father, thank you for this child. They're a good, obedient child. A child who doesn't argue a child who follows instruction, a child who honors their parents. It was in the scripture. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And then listen, in verse 52 it says, And Jesus grew, grew in what? In wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and man. 
Don't you believe that there's an attachment to you honoring and respecting your parents? To being able to grow in wisdom, in stature? Don't you think that there's even a favor that comes before men and before God because of the honor you present to your parents? Mm. Let me get on. Honoring our parents means loving them and helping them as much as we can. Remember, when we were children, they are the ones who took care of us. The older you get, the tables turn, and your opportunity to help a lending hand to them is open to you. Do you choose to be a blessing to your parents? Or do you choose to be a curse to your parents? Choose the former. Choose to be a blessing to them in the mighty name of Jesus. Honoring our parents also means witnessing to them about Jesus Christ and remembering that we wouldn't be here on this earth without our earthly parents. Loving our parents and forgiving them despite their shortcomings and their flaws. Remember, our earthly parents are just that. They are earthly beings. They are human beings. They have flaws. They've made mistakes. Remember, they didn't have other children that they brought up. And so when they made mistakes or have made mistakes with you, they were doing the best they knew how to. Forgive them and be quick to forgive them and forget their flaws or cover their flaws. They are still your parents. Nothing changes that fact. Love on them, even through their mistakes. Love on them, even with all their flaws. It is an excellent way to be holy. Thank you, Jesus. Because God is holy. Number four, serve mankind. Serve mankind. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Before who? Before mankind. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me pause there for a minute and say this. When the Lord opens a door for you and entrusts you in a particular position, a particular role, a particular responsibility, you are the one who is supposed to show and be able to glorify God through your deeds. Don't get into office and say, it is definitely my time to eat. No, you've been put there as a public servant. And remember this, it is only God who raises kings. He's the one who brings down kings. Last week, we, we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, he was raised up until he saw the greatness of Babylon and said, I have built this with my two hands. And he got humbled because that's what God does. When he raises you into a position of leadership, my friend, listen to me. Use that position to bring glory and honor to Jehovah. Let people look at your deeds and say, God, you gave us a blessed leader. You gave us a leader that will take care of your flock, of your sheep. God puts men in positions of leadership. It's not your elections. It's not the people who can talk very well. It has nothing to do with your deep pockets. It has nothing to do with that. God alone raises men and puts them up in positions of leadership. I am praying upon our land and indeed all the nations of the world that godly men and godly women 
will be raised up and put in those positions. The time has come. Remember the script that we read earlier? Jesus said, there will be a time that in David, a man after his own heart will be raised up to take or to tend over his flock. The time is now. Being holy glorifies the Father. Jesus Christ emulated the Father by serving others. And since Jesus served people, we must serve people as well in the way he did it. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Can our service of men bring glory to God today? I want you just to think, introspect for a minute and ask yourself, the little position you have, whether big or small, whatever you are doing in that position, does that thing bring glory and honor to Jehovah? Does it? Hmm. We serve the Lord by obeying his word and glorifying him here on the earth. Number five, flee from all sin. Flee from all sin. If you want to be holy and righteous, flee from any sin and all sin. We are not only to avoid sin, but we are called into holiness to avoid the appearance of evil. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, Abstain from all appearance of evil. What is an appearance of evil? An appearance. It is any hint, any small hint that something is evil. If you have been called into a deal, and that deal has an appearance of corruption, run. If you've been called into a particular place and there's something there that just doesn't sit right, run. If you have been drawn into a place and you find yourself sitting in the council of those who are wicked, run. Any form of appearance of wicked or evil, run. I love what the TLB says. The Living Bible says it this way. Keep away from every kind of evil. Because everything has a different kind. Even evil comes in different kinds, forms, shapes, and sizes. The scripture says, run, run, flee from it, flee from it. Avoiding the appearance of evil or abstaining from every evil or every form of evil means to live in God's light by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead we expose them. We don't worry about the perception of others and what others think about us, but about the integrity of our own walk with Christ. How many of you have been put in a place where when you really think about that position, you know you're about to get into something wrong? Many times I've entered deals where when I am even proposed to the deal, something just doesn't sit right. That's the Holy Spirit. When you feel that nudging, run away. Don't wait for a confirmation. It might be too late. When you sit at a place where someone is proposing something that it sounds okay, but your spirit is not at rest or at peace, run. I can tell you so many instances of people that I've talked to and heard stories I've heard of people who found themselves at the wrong place at the wrong time and they're living and serving out the judgment of being at that place till today. Flee from every form 
of evil. Number six, and the last one, live above board. What does that mean? Live above board. It means live in a way that is higher than what is expected of you. Live above board. Operate above board. Being holy includes our conduct or behavior wherever we are, all the time. All the time. All the time. Not sometimes. All the time. You know what integrity is? Integrity is doing the right thing even while no one is watching. Now take a minute and ask yourself, how integral are you? How much integrity is inside of you? When no one is watching, what are you doing? What are you looking at? What are you listening to? What are you feeding off of when no one else is looking? Integrity is, here is a million shillings. Or here is 10 million shillings. That if I took away this from the coffers, nobody will even notice. But then you decide, I'm not going to touch that. Because that doesn't belong to me. It's called theft. It's called theft. I don't care how you sugarcoat this thing. I don't care how you put it. I don't care if you say, you know, in some parts of the world, they say that is lobbying money. You can call it whatever you want to call it. It's called theft from the public coffers. And you're going to be answerable to it one of these fine days. Maybe not to the nation. Maybe not to us. But one day, we will all stand before this master. And we shall give an account of everything that we did, especially for those who've been given positions of leadership. Listen, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 13 says, Since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow. Mm, I like this. The message puts it so well. Since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? Don't you see how essential it is to live a holy life? All the money in the world, even if you stole it all, one day you will be six feet under and you will leave it all here on this ground. Nobody's ever buried with what you've stolen. Nobody's ever buried with even what you've made genuinely. So why bother going the wrong way? Everything will be gone tomorrow. It is essential to live a holy life. Daily expect the day of God. Do you know what that means? Be ready to leave even right now. Be ready to exit this world at any time. Even today. Be ready. Be ready. Because no one knows the time. Nobody knows the minute. Nobody knows the hour. But be ready. Eager for its arrival. The only way you can be eager about something is because you know there is nothing that's holding me back. There is nothing I need to even repent of because my life is just a life of daily repentance. Dying to self every day. Daily being eager for the, for the Lord's day. The galaxies will burn up and the elements will melt down that day but will hardly notice. We'll be looking the other way ready for the promised new heavens and the promised new earth. All landscaped with what? With righteousness. With righteousness. The NIV puts it this way, verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? And it answers, 
you ought to live holy and godly lives. I pray that you will live a holy and a godly life. We've been commanded to do it, meaning it is possible. Living every day like it's your last. Having no encumbrances, nothing holding you back, nothing making you not want that day to come. <laughs> Micah 6.8 I was teaching my son this the other day. Micah 6.8 says this. Hmm. He has shown you all mortal. Who has shown you? Jehovah has shown us all mortal beings. What is good and what does the Lord require of you? What the Lord requires of us. You know what he requires? He names it here. He says this. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 8. Wow. Wow. Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 to 24 says, this is what the Lord says. Who says this? The Lord. Listen. He says this. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this. Boast about what? Boast about this. Listen. That they have an understanding to know me. To know me is who? To know God. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness. He is the Lord who exercises justice. He is the Lord who exercises righteousness here on earth. For in these I delight, declares our Lord. Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 19. And I want to conclude with this because I actually believe we've come to a place where we've been inundated with so much that we have actually even forgot the principles and the things that are solid, the foundation by which we are here in existence. This is what Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 to 19 says. And God spoke all these words and said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. I am your God who brought you out of slavery. I am your God who brought you out of the shackles of the colonial masters. I am your God who delivered you from a place of desolation to a place of having plenty. But listen to what I require of you. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Number one, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, I am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third to the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Number two, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Number three, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, 
you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blesses the Sabbath day and has made it holy. Number four. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long here in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Number five. You shall not murder. Number six. You shall not commit adultery. Number seven. You shall not steal. That's a big one. You shall not steal. Hmm. Number eight. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Number nine. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Number 10. Those are the 10 commandments. And this is what he says in verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Where did the fervence and the fear of Jehovah go? Where did the Ten Commandments vanish in our hearts and in our minds? Things that we were taught from the time we were children up to today. What made them become less serious today? You know, the Lord is doing and He's sweeping the entire nation. Read the writings on the wall and see what Jehovah is doing today. It's a new work. I pray that the Ten Commandments will be birthed afresh in every one of us, every one of our hearers, that we will go about life knowing that stealing is wrong, that giving a lie is wrong, that murdering is wrong. Those are the things that God detests, and yet it's written in His Word. I want to finish with this example. Lazarus Chakwera. Malawi's head of state and indeed Africa's newest president said in a recent interview that he came to the job after leading the assemblies of God for 24 years. Listen to that. He led the assemblies of God for 24 years. But then he admitted that when he was first running for president in 2014, that making that decision to become a politician was one of the hardest decisions that he had ever to make. Why? He said, I had to argue with God over a direction in life that didn't seem natural to him. Hmm. But after a lot of discussions with God, God said this to him. I am extending your ministry so that you are able to pastor a whole nation. A whole nation. I want you to know that God is still in the business of raising kings and raising priests 
over all of us. He's still in that business today. And I want you to know that in this next phase of life, God is doing a new thing. This is what the Lord laid in my heart. That within the next coming days, within the next coming months, and within the next coming years, governments around the world will shift in a direction that He alone has ordained. Things will begin to happen in nations that no ear has heard, no eye has seen. No one will be able to conceive what is happening. The Lord is saying that He is the Lord Most High. He is Jehovah El Elyon. But over and above that, He says, I'm seeking a heart of a righteous soul. And that's why He's called Jehovah Sidkenu. He is asking today, Will you be holy? Will you be righteous? Will you be in my program in this latter day, says the Lord. Position yourself, child of God, is what I hear the Lord saying. Position yourself. Something new is coming. Be ready for what is coming. Be holy and pursue righteousness and see how the Lord is about to transform your life and your destiny in the mighty name of Jesus. Remember, He alone is holy. No one is righteous but Him. No one is righteous but him. And he says, be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Let us pray. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you because in Isaiah 41 verse 10, you say this, that we should not fear, for you are with me. You say, do not be anxious. Look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you surely, I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, says the Lord. And my salvation will not delay. I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory for Israel. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies all. He who vindicates me is near, who will contend with me. Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. But O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tries the feelings and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For you have, for you have I committed my cause. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will be, be will behold his face. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. And will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. You know, we used to sing a song back in the day that goes like this. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Lord, it's all I need. 
holiness, holiness is what you want from me. Righteousness. Ah. Righteousness, righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is all you need. Oh, righteousness, righteousness is all you want. From me, Father, for your children, may they find holiness and righteousness to be the key that they pursue. Father, thank you that your word says that all these things you wish that we may have them, but Father, may we go about it the right and the correct way. Your word says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that we should seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, then all these other things shall be added unto us. Lord Jesus, help us not, not to pursue the wrong things, not to pursue after things that we will live here on earth, but Father, may we pursue you and your greatness over our lives. Lord, you're the only one we live for. You're the only one we ask for. You're the only one, Lord, who has covered us. Cover us now, Lord, and keep us under the shadow of your wing. May we pursue that which is right. May we pursue that which is holy. And may we pursue that which is righteous in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you and keep you. Until next time, God bless you. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.